Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at That's My Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Charles Pinky, aka the Washing Machine Queen. I'm Glenn at Bedside Brat, and I am Shade at Black Girls Texting. And today we have an amazing guest. I'm really, really excited about this one. Her name is Christine Michelle Carter, and we actually okay. ended up speaking Hi. to you because of instagram which is like great (laughs) um so as i was doing more research i learned that you were featured in the new york times you're the number one global voice for working moms the mom of mom influencers and the voice of millennial moms which is really really amazing yeah (laughs) um so you deliver consumer insights brand marketing content and helping hr and teams attract and retain hardworking professionals you work with advertising agencies research firms i see you've worked with kamala harris and you have a book coming up yes and you have a few books i have a couple books i have one a children's book yes and then a fiction coming out yep amazing that's awesome what are they what are their names the children's book is called can mommy go to work and the the novel um is called mama's fuck oh (laughs) (laughs) i didn't i wasn't expecting that (laughs) that? (laughs) yeah i want to hear more yeah totally totally so that book is coming out in november and that's basically about being a type a personality a very um a big control freak and having everything go fabulously in my career but my personal life just being shambles and me i'm um, trying to adapt strategies that i would use professionally to fix my personal life and it just doesn't work and it's just a humorous <laughs> book and it you just watch like basically my marriage fall apart but then the reason that it had to fall apart was that so that I could be a stronger just individual and mom so Mm. it's just it's a it's a very funny book everybody who's read it has like loved it and picked up quotes I'm so blessed and so thankful that everybody is even interested in reading this book when it comes out so I think it's gonna do well I'm really happy about it that's awesome I'm looking forward to reading that absolutely and then the children's book can mommy go to work Yes. Um, so is that about, yeah, can you tell so, us about that? Yeah, totally. So that is about um, a mom elephant. And I chose elephants because I really wanted everybody to feel included in the story and mm. not just focus on one race. Mm-hmm. And elephants mm-hmm. happen to be the most maternal and intelligent um, animals with it when it comes to a parent-child relationship. So it's about a mom and her two kids, Maya and Wes, named after my children. And they helped me write the story. They picked out what their characters wore like Maya's character has on sparkly tennis and my son's has on I think Tim's (laughs) but um it's about a mom getting ready for work and she's about to have a really big day in the office and the kids are doing everything they can to um stop her day from her perspective from their perspective they're trying to contribute to it so her daughter's trying to make her look pretty her son is trying to make her laugh he puts salt in her coffee instead of sugar (laughs) she blows up has an anxiety attack basically 
basically and the, the kids then say but mom we're just trying to help because we know this is your first day in the office as a boss so the book is really That's about so yeah so the book is about being a single mom it helps moms have the conversation with their kids about why they work and I've gotten great feedback from mothers about that book about just being able to have that conversation at the end of the night and read it because it's a very quick read but um it is a really good read i'll say that i love that and so we've been wanting to have the motherhood mother daughter conversation for a while but like so none of us are moms yet um <laughs> so we were like oh this is perfect because we can Don't speak to someone it. who's <laughs> actually <laughs> right. a mother um but i want to jump straight into kind of why we started this dialogue and then I'm curious to hear so much more because I have a lot of questions actually in regards to moms going back to the workforce but um for those who don't know there was an Instagram kind of well H&M had an ad and then Instagram kind of came and ran with it so H&M had an ad of a young black girl with her hair which some felt was like deemed to be unkempt or like not styled um and a lot of people felt as though H&M was like disrespecting the model. They felt as though, you know, after the whole other controversy with like the monkey shirt or something, I don't, Mm -hmm. I can't even remember what it was. They're like, oh, H&M is racist and doing it all again. And um, you had a post in which you were speaking about how, you know, it's almost showing a a bit of how as black women and black people, we hold ourselves to these standards it's just like what's wrong with the girl's hair um and I kind of felt the same um so I commented on your your photo and I kind of wanted to delve into that because I honestly don't know what you ladies think either and Christine I'd love for you to kind of share more because I believe you said you had done a piece about this yeah I did a Huff Post piece when my daughter was five so three years ago about how um it was called can you make a black girl feel pretty and it started off with a story about how after she would come from swim class she would be so embarrassed because her hair wasn't bone straight anymore and all she saw was representation of like Elsa and Rapunzel with this long flowing blonde hair so Maya always wanted her hair straight and now three years in she's totally not that way she'll do whatever to her hair dye it different colors and whatnot temporary dye different Mm -hmm. colors and I could care less as long as she's playing and having fun in her hair versus seeing it as this trophy of straight uh, permed or pressed hair but um the the other idea in the piece was that it's it's previous generations that are making these kids feel like to have wild hair isn't beautiful Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. uh, you know the media has come a long way with showing different varieties of black hair it has but when these kids go to their grandparents house or an older aunt's house it's well why didn't you do this child's hair today and it's not that the child's hair isn't done it just might not be done in the fried dyed and laid to the side (laughs) styles that those generations know so that was about the piece like if I want my daughter to feel beautiful with herself I really need older generations to embrace this and and make 
people with all different types of hair feel included. So when I saw that H&M piece, I really didn't see the big deal. And I, when I shared it with other moms, they didn't either because our kids come home looking like that. It's wild because there was another piece at the beginning of the school year that went viral because it was a little girl and boy with their hair perfectly done. And they come home at the end of the day and their hair is disheveled and all over the place. And parents love that meme because we get it. You know, it doesn't matter how much you send them out the house looking fabulous when they come home from playing with their friends their hair is going to be sweated out a complete mess and that's what I think H&M was trying to show yes they gave her a struggle ponytail but <laughs> that's but you know that's how these kids come home it's not that big a deal right and I yeah. think yeah exactly from what I read that was the whole point of the ad it was to show like children post play and you're right, I think right. If, if your kid comes home like that, it, it's a reflection that they had an amazing, crazy, fun day and they were getting into something, they were digging into some dirt, they were exploring, they were climbing, right. they were being kids. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it it's just kind of, kind of really thing. hurt me because I was imagining the little girl one day seeing all those comments. Yes. And realizing that, you know, how her hair, you know, ends up or how it looks when it just is not being tamed or brushed or gelled is not considered beautiful even by her own community and especially when we have this like big you know natural hair movement I was like this is like so hypocritical because I guess if your hair is not a loose curl you can't find beauty in it and I was just thinking of the little girl seeing that one day and and I feel like our community really needs to like reel all that in and all that like I guess it would be considered respectability politics, like mm-hmm. policing of, you know, how we just naturally are. Right. And it's it, and I mean, it really does go uh, back to the older generations, because also in that same piece that I wrote for HuffPost, I was talking about how I took my children to go see the prince. I'm sorry, I took my younger cousins to go see the princess and the frog. And afterwards, they had a focus group led by older black women. And they wanted to know what the movie meant to the younger generation and how you viewed yourself and did it change how you viewed yourself now that you saw a a dark-skinned person as the main character in a Disney movie. And I was in college. They were in, like, middle school. And I remember saying that I thought it it was great to have the representation, but it didn't change how I felt about myself as a human being. I still felt beautiful. And I remember the facilitator was an older black woman, and she was almost irritated with me with the fact that I was comfortable in my own skin. It's almost as if they can't be comfortable in their own skin to this day so they can't accept the when people are and that's the that's the challenge there like it's the younger generation who is comfortable versus the older generation who still is holding on to these outdated notions and even when the younger generation feels comfortable with themselves the older generation isn't happy about that completely i mean my grandmother older black southern woman just used to spar with my parents as I was growing up and she couldn't understand why they wouldn't perm my hair couldn't understand <laughs> it. it would like break her heart she would be begging I could, I'm thinking about it now remembering these moments when she just be like please just put just throw it in her hair right. just a little bit of just for me and just wash it out <laughs> just like a little right. bit uh, yeah yeah soften yeah. it up a tad exactly <laughs> just a little bit but what surprised me was, because um, I agree with you for sure, but I also felt like there were, um, and Chelsea, you touched on this, a lot of younger black women like, oh my gosh, how could they do that to this girl? And I was like, what? 
what did they do? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, they're, like you said, they, like, looked like they forced her hair into this ponytail. They could have just let it, like, out loose and crazy and wild. But she still Mm -hmm. looked fine. She looked beautiful. And it was just weird. Like, I mean, something else. I feel like we have come so far, but at the same time, yeah, like, like, we haven't. Yeah, because I think another one of the critiques, though, that younger people were making or just at large, I was seeing in the comments were like, what's up with this mom? It's not even on H&M. The mom shouldn't have let her go out like this, shouldn't have had her in this Mm -hmm. ad looking like this. And clearly the mom hasn't been taking care of the girl's hair all along because it's damaged. It's this, it's that. Um, It was really interesting that that critique ended up being placed on the mother and her mothering. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yep. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for that segue mm. to my next question. How did you know? <laughs> oh my so my next question was actually, um, if you feel as though there are distinct challenges for black moms and like what some of those things you think are like for one, one thing that stands out to me is presentation. Like I always hear mm-hmm. black moms like you got to go out the house looking a certain way. My child has to leave the house right. looking a certain way. Yeah. Um, we were all just watching Basketball Wives, and this just made me think of it. When um, she was Kristen. FaceTiming her daughter, and she was like, oh, my God, you got her out here looking crazy at the mm. supermarket. Please comb her hair. I'm like, the girl mm. is at the supermarket. Who cares? Right. <laughs> and her hair right. looked cute. It was just, like, loose and curly. Right. You know, it's interesting. I do work for brands, and one of the presentations that I do is called How the Black Millennial Mom Can Save Your Brand. So it's full of insights about ways we over-index or we are more likely to perform behaviors than other races. And one of them is that we put an extreme amount of um, care and attention on our beauty, our fitness, um, not so much on our health but um, definitely on the external parts of ourselves. Um, mm. Unfortunately, not too much internally. We all, we all know um, therapy is still a challenge, and, and that's something mm-hmm. that I think black moms are struggling with themselves to break the generational curses of not speaking freely and not going to therapy. That's something that we're trying to instill in our children. I'm divorced. Um, I go to therapy. I've always loved therapy and my daughter now loves therapy. She just sees it as another, she's very outgoing. So she just sees it as another opportunity to talk to somebody about herself. (laughs) Um, So those are the kinds of things that yes, that we are dealing with. Um, I think that uh, also we happen to be the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. And there's a story, um, there's always the narrative that, oh, poor single black moms, we actually are over over indexing in positions of $75,000 or more. So it's not always the poor single black mom. Um, These are things that we're also dealing with when it comes to our children, just showing them that, you know, there is basically that you don't have to live on the struggle bus. We're kind of stuck between making more than previous generations and allowing our children to have more. And then also feeling guilty because they're still surrounded by their peers and their environment in certain cities where that may not necessarily be the case for other black children. So there's a, there's a lot that we're dealing with nowadays to raise these beautiful black kids. I love that you have the stats. This is why we need to talk to you. Because <laughs> I'm a nerd. Like, I'm like, yes, another statistic. Oh, yes. And like, but like, aside from being a mother, like you have all these insights because of the brands that you work with. So yeah. that's amazing. And I, I was also wondering, like, do you feel as though like 
other moms like of other races like put some of these pressures on themselves like I always wonder if it's because we still have the kind of like keeping up with the Joneses concept yeah like, you have to like look presentable so that yes. people like respect you yeah so um I did a piece a couple of years ago about like how moms under 30 are different and it's interesting white moms put a lot of emphasis on on their children on basically um it's different things than we would like we still think it's important for children to be respectable and to Mm -hmm. to basically get along to go along versus other races who don't necessarily put a lot of emphasis on that and that is kind of still that keeping up with the joneses kind of less than inferior mentality which i find so interesting that that is still bubbling to the surface in this day and age with parenting yeah i was i mean this i don't know if you watch keeping up with the kardashians but i do uh, sadly okay. it's my guilty yes. pleasure okay it's, it's a my guilty, guilty pleasure, pleasure. Too. Yeah. and recently courtney's i think oldest eldest daughter daughter penelope scratched the babysitter in the face and uh the babysitter quit yeah and uh her i guess soon-to-be stepdad who's a black man was like i would beat her ass or whoop her ass and mm-hmm. they kind of like flipped out Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering your thoughts on that and, you know, like, cause that kind of is a generational thing too, like being, you know, beating your kids or corporal punishment. Yeah. Um, if that is something that we still see, yeah, if that's something that we still see with millennial moms or if that's kind of going away, um, if you had any information on that. Um, uh, so, f- uh, divided by race I don't but I do know that we are more likely to cultivate qualities like respect and um, intelligence and I consider knowing not to scratch a babysitter to be intelligent so I think that Mm -hmm. that's why maybe Corey flipped out a little bit because that's just something we wouldn't do in our community I do know that millennial moms tend to be the ones who are trying to have conversations with their children and Mm -hmm. and parenting and parenting styles have changed so much with experts and what they think is best so nowadays it really is about calming yourself down because there's a little bit of just being too quick to react and too violent and going immediate to immediately to spanking that doesn't instill the right um principles into the kids so nowadays they are trying to teach the moms to just slow down calm down and then have a dialogue with your kids i have tried that sometimes the old school in me seeps out a little bit i do have anxiety so my patience is real short so i do i i can't say that i would not have been like Corey and jump to that 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 place first because i do struggle with some of the millennial mom parentings and it could be because i am a black millennial mom so i'm fighting two battles internally right and i don't i don't none of us have kids as we said but i always have said that i've hopefully would never hit my children oh honey you you're gonna hit them <laughs> you're, gonna, I mean, you're gonna hit them you just like all uh, the mom oh i was such a cute and like i was the cool mom in my head before i became a mom even when my <laughs> daughter was like under one i was like oh look at us we're twinning and we had matching head wraps and now i'm telling you i blasted the music this morning i was like get your asses up we're cleaning the house <laughs> So and my kids are eight and four. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> so you can be the cute little mom all 
you want to be in your head, baby. But I'm telling you, you you keep in touch with me when you have kids. And I want to hear <laughs> the first time. And you know what I'm going to say to you? It's okay. Because <laughs> we've all done it. We've all lost our shit. It's okay. I mean, I yeah, watched my I'm niece. Saying- oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say because um, just a little background on uh, myself. Like, I went to, like, a private school. And so I was interacting with a lot of white kids who were not raised in the same way that I was. Right. And I remember I went to one of my friend's house. Um, houses and she she had like an intercom system and her mom you know buzzed us from downstairs and was like girls i'm gonna order you all a pizza and i was like in my head i'm like wow your mom's so nice and then she goes shut the fuck up mom we're we're talking and i Mm. like i was like what (laughs) oh my god and wait how old were you we were in high school that's and oh, she wow. and her mom offered to buy us pizza and she flipped out like that and i was like i was so confused Mm-mm. and i was like clearly she has no fear for her mom right <laughs> so i feel like there is a kind of balance that although i hope to not beat my kids there is like a little healthy sense of fear that There's. i would want them to have that they know that they couldn't speak to me that way um yeah, yeah like that fear connected to respect i think right but yeah. boundaries like they can come and consequences Right. Right. Because once you get into the real world, that's what you have to deal with. Boundaries and consequences. You can't go to your boss and say, shut the fuck up, boss. Like, that's not (laughs) how the world works. Right. So maybe not everyone has to deal with boundaries and consequences. (laughs) Thinking about the police officer that just got uh, 10 years and then got stroked by the bailiff and a hug from the judge. So, you know, we're living in different worlds. Aren't we? Aren't we? Damn. Um. (laughs) sorry I wasn't wasn't ready I wasn't ready um what I was gonna say is I watch my my sister with my niece and my sister's a teacher and has like dealt with everything from like teenagers to kids so I kind of watch how she uses like what she's learned in the classroom and just like we love our mom but my mom was just like she did the most and so we're like okay we're not doing we're not going to that extreme but she'll definitely like tell my niece like oh do you you don't want to get like a pop or something like that it's not like she's getting like full-on spankings with belts and and switches and bottles and whatever right. else is in the household because that's crazy um yeah. sometimes yes, my, samuel l jackson oh. stares all they need yeah right. sometimes <laughs> they need all they need is this right exactly yeah. they need to know what that stare means exactly okay e- exactly and but like sometimes when she's being patient and I see her they have like a countdown system so like when my sister gets to three my niece like knows what's up and I just watch like she wants to see what's gonna happen when you get to three I'm like one how did you give birth to me because I'm the same way but secondly I'm like yeah what do you do with a kid who's just like yeah today I'm just gonna test you and like I really don't care after I've you know gone to work cooked for you bathed right. you behind and now you want to like really yeah. act out and I'm like ooh, I'm gonna Listen, need there are two different things that you could do so <laughs> one is that you and this is hard for moms because we want to solve the problem but sometimes you have got to just teach them that alone time is what mommy needs to decompress and recharge because you have worked you have cooked their dinner so i am a fan of sometimes i have to shut my door lock it have an edible and go to bed you <laughs> can go to sleep and put your sl- you can put yourself to sleep you're not gonna die they're eight and four and i tend to and i used to be like well i just have to deal with this and i have to solve this right now and no I sometimes I've had a long day too and I don't need to solve it 
I need to go to bed and you're not going to kill yourself. You know, not to start a fire, you know, not to go in the kitchen. All you're Mm going to do is be a little shit in your room and then pass (laughs) out and fall asleep. So I will let that happen. Then there are other days where, yes, you do have to step in and be a parent if you feel like it (laughs) and actually deal with the timeout. And we're supposed to do a minute for every year they're born. So when my four year old gets to acting up, he has to sit on a chair for four minutes and it's not the whining and screaming in the chair and falling about it's until you sit up straight and it does Mm -hmm. take a little bit of time um for that to consistent that behavior to go into effect but that's that's effective too but again one of two options i'm a fan of both i've done both i love that it's so realistic (laughs) yeah yeah i love that um but also we kind of hit on like things that we don't necessarily want to take from our parents and yeah older generations are there any things that you absolutely maybe learned from your mother or grandmother that you um kind of use in your own parenting style yeah so it's wild that's what mom is fuck is about so it started off with um there's a chapter that shows my relationship with my mother as a kid and how I swore I was never going to be like that and be career focused and I was going to have a good relationship with my kids and then you fast forward and that's because my grandmother was that way to me that chapter shows the difference between the two women but when you fast forward to how I'm acting, when I'm married around my kids, it's exactly like my mom. And then I start to realize it's not that bad to become your mom. I think statistically, mm-hmm. in your early 30s, you turn into your mom. So I realized. It's happening to me right exactly, now. Exactly. <laughs> so oh Lord, that's scary. Yeah. So I realized it wasn't so bad to be my mom because she was a single mom and she was providing for her kids the best way she knew how. Mm-hmm. But. What I also had to learn was my grandmother never worked a day in her life. No, I take that back. She worked one day at Macy's and went, ran to my grandfather and complained and hated it and never worked again a day in her life. We They don't make men like that anymore, okay? They don't They don't make marriages like that anymore. They women have to work so it's it I couldn't I couldn't take her old school notions of what it meant to be a mom and try to adapt them and apply them in the 21st century the the shit just don't work but my mother and I aren't too far in age (laughs) and we also had to deal with similar issues as single moms that I could relate to her so it was wild I thought I really wanted to be this you know June Cleaver stay-at-home mom that took care of the kids and was very loving like my grandmother but that wasn't who that wasn't what was going to make me happy as a person and that's really what's important at the end of the day because the kids don't care about how much you clean up the house how many toys you bought when they look back at when they were kids they're going to look at that relationship and how happy mom was as a mom mm. I love that. yeah something you said um really resonated with me um you said that you realized that your mom was just like just doing her best and I recently had a conversation with like my mom and my aunts and kind of understanding their upbringing and it was so crazy to like sit and hear them reflect on like how they felt with their moms and then me to sit and reflect how I felt with like my mom yeah. and my aunt and when you realize like yeah like they, they're just factors that are out of their control and they're just doing the best that they can and you're able to kind of like move forward but so much of that like impacts you so I found out that my grandma like didn't even grow up with her mom like she basically was like taken from her country and brought to the states and like never saw her mom again which I had no idea so 
my mom was like my mother didn't know how to be a mom and I was like oh my god and then I kind of saw like so, so much of I think my mom's like aggression comes from that's just how my grandfather was and my grandma was just kind of like oh, I don't know what I'm doing so when I started to put together like the pieces of the puzzle of like the generations I was like oh shit so now mm-hmm. I'm trying to think you know okay who knows what it's going to be like when I have a, 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 a child but so much of that history you like pass along and yes. and we're getting to I think to a point where we're able to sit and like you said talk about it go to therapy open up but prior to that it, it, I don't I don't know how much of that was happening or could happen because we were like in survival mode exactly mm-hmm. exactly and we have to thank our generations that were not the previous generations that were not as much in survival mode you know they definitely did you know walk so that we could fly right now yeah. and and have this podcast and have this conversation and I definitely believe that you draw strength from family. I think the family that you make and friends, the sisterhood, um, the family that you are born into, you draw strength from it. It's how you choose to use that strength for good in the world or for evil that makes the difference. For sure. You know, I want to scale back a little bit in thinking about even family planning and um, when you're preparing to start a family. So I, mm-hmm. uh, Chelsea and I both have backgrounds as um, elementary school teachers. I'm currently teaching kindergarten. And I was at a uh, family potluck and I work at a really like posh um, private school in Brooklyn. And I was talking to one of the okay. moms. Um, she's in same-sex marriage. So she and her wife had their child um, via surrogate. And this other mm-hmm. mom who has five kids, one of them is about to graduate from uh, high school and she has a kindergartner and like a three-year-old. And that, that mom mm-hmm. with five kids was saying, you know, I don't think that anyone has kids. Um, she said she thinks the act of having a child is complete selfishness, that people have kids just solely for themselves and just to be like a reflection of them. And that it's basically only tied to, um, to legacy more than anything else. And she said, you know, if anybody thinks that they're having kids to really rear them and raise them to be great people to add into the world, like that that's not a thing like they're going to be who they are um and it was just really i'm sorry this is the half of the head five kids exactly i know <laughs> okay. I like, you sound insane i was so right. pissed and then and then she went on to say like if anything we can just say that um having a child is just a decision that you make between you and your partner and it's just like you know a result of that like your relationship and sh- and then she said some crazy stuff like you know at least in the traditional way I don't want, I know we have to be so PC these days. Meanwhile, I'm standing here with this woman who has a wife mm-hmm. and they had their child via surrogate. And mm-hmm. we just were sort, sort of sitting there thinking like, no, I mean, I guess in an, in an ideal situation, when you choose to have a child, like you are thinking about how you're gonna raise this person and you're thinking about putting an amazing person into the world and being very deliberate and intentional in the way that you're parenting. Right, mom? but we're yeah. not even going to give her dumbass any more time. Thank you. Okay, okay. right, because that makes no sense. <laughs> right, because it makes no sense, and it's ignorant. 
you know you there are so many different reasons to have a child and you don't know why anybody is motivated to do so you know and it's just a slap in the face to the women you don't know if those the women in that same sex relationship if any of them have fertility issues you you just don't know the pain in the background of anybody and why they decided to have a child so you know it's just it's about being pc right dumb right i'm not even gonna be pc with her like you're dumb right and you had every right to be pissed because it was ignorant exactly and and, and i think i've been thinking about this more when people have asked me like do you want to have children and that that is a a, a decision that can be made you know like i used to just assume i was going to have kids because that's just what people do and you know you get married you have a kid like without much thought like that was just like a path you take but completely i think there's intention that should go behind it and that's the way i feel about parent it's intentionally that's the way i feel about marriage actually so i always thought i had to get married but deep down i never did want to be married and i ended up i i even told my ex-husband i turned his proposal down twice but we were married and together for a long time for about 14 years and um i couldn't be happier now because it's like i have the best part of him i have the children now that i always wanted to be and Mm -hmm. i didn't think that i needed to be a wife to do that and i really feel like i'm walking in my purpose and it's crazy that i do write about mom so much and do so much research around them now and i think it's because i just respect the hell out of mothers and just that whole process and being a woman period too but the marriage idea like no thanks no thanks <laughs> so wait say more That's about so how you always wanted yeah. to be a mom like what did what does that mean to you and like how so did yeah yeah that came about from my grandmother and just the amount of love that she showed me and the fact that she could make everyone she spoke with feel like they were the only person in the room and she loved them the most (gasps) and I always I possess that quality now it's sometimes a burden because no one gives you free time (laughs) and and you're stretching yourself too thin but at the same time I love it I love being the person that everybody needs it's what fuels my soul I remember there's a picture of me that I share in one of my presentations how I was three years old with a black baby in a stroller and I had um a pen in my hand and I was writing and it's like could right could that be right could that be foreshadowing any harder like I have this black baby doll and I'm a mom and I'm also working at the same time (laughs) so I've just always always wanted to be a mother and give love to children um, but not a wife, <laughs> not wow. a wife ever. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the balancing act that is being a working mom? I was, a, I, I'm yeah. a TV girl here. I was watching uh, Married to Medicine. Okay. And um, one of the characters on, or one of the castmates on the show, she is actually going back to school mm-hmm. and is pursuing um, another degree so that she can further her career. Good for her. Um, yeah. it's, which is amazing. And it's a yeah. two-year program. But the program that she was accepted into and like the best one she got accepted to is actually in Houston and her family lives in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so she comes back on weekends and whenever she has time off from school and she's like, my family's just falling apart. And basically they showed the preview in which she tells her husband like she's leaving school because oh, she mm, comes home yeah. and like the kids are making her feel guilty. Her husband's making her feel guilty. Everyone is like, 
you know, you're making this selfish decision to go back to school and, mm. you know, your whole family's falling apart. So eventually she she's quitting school. Oh. Um, so I'm sure it's like a, a balancing act. There is. Uh, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that it is a balancing act. I don't think she's making a selfish decision to go to school. What I think could have maybe have been better thought out and better balanced. And I apologize. My son never leaves my side. So that's who you hear in the background. No, but um, I think the better balance could have been and maybe not necessarily choosing the best of the best program, but a, a program that would have sufficed and been more adjacent to where she lived, considering mm-hmm. her current situation. I think that that the program in Houston might have been a little bit too extreme, but I do think that going back to school and furthering your career is absolutely something that every woman is entitled to do, whether she's a mother or not. That's the part that is the challenge. That's the balance. That's the tricky part. It's you can have it all, but sometimes it's just it's going to ebb and flow. You're going to show more attention to things professionally than you will personally, or sometimes you'll need to recharge and take a break from work. Or sometimes you will have to make sacrifices. Um, that's, that's just a part of the work-life balance. Hmm. Yeah. I just found it super interesting that in my opinion, had it been her husband, the tables would not have been the same. And yet he is also a parent and yeah. he is also a family member and, you know, and I was just uh, I was also watching um, a documentary about the gender pay gap. And they were explaining about how a lot of it isn't even about gender. It's about it's motherhood. Housework. Yep. It's the housework gap. Yeah. And like so a father, it's totally normal for him to not be around and focus on his career. There's no guilt. There's no, you know, nothing that's really society puts on him. But for a mother, it's 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 totally different. Yeah. And it's because the housework gap is exacerbating the divide so the men are doing more uh, chores around the house and taking care of the kids more than previous generations but um not nearly as much as moms and then the household chores that they do aren't Mm -hmm. demanding um they aren't immediately demanding of attention so basically um that's to say like caring for an aging parent or caring for a child those mm-hmm. kinds of things you can't schedule through the day there there's unexpected mm-hmm. doctor's appointments that are associated with those things versus a man mowing the lawn that can be done at any time right. or a man meal prepping that can be done at any time so that's that's yeah. that housework gap yeah. and how it's it's create made it, making the divide that much stronger you know P.S. My son doesn't care what I'm saying, so I can cut <laughs> as much as I want. He just wants my hand on his belly, which oh, is what's going so on. Oh, my gosh. My dream is See? to have a son. I Oedipus know. West. That's his name, Oedipus West. His, his, his birth oh. name is West Kyle Carter, but I call him Oedipus West because Kyle he's going to marry me one day. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. And and something that's like, I don't know, I, I genuinely think that this is like hormonal because this was never like a strong sentiment like five mm-hmm. years ago. But I'm like, oh, my God, like I really want like kids and like yeah. family and like starting to think about like settling down and all that stuff and all that goes with it, which I know will not be a fairy tale. I'm just telling right. myself that on a daily basis so that I don't even set myself up for disappointment <laughs> um Wait, <laughs> I, say, I just want to chime in real fast because that's interesting that you're saying that and you're still on your like men are fuck boys kind of 
vibe right now and they always are and always will be yes (laughs) would you (laughs) would you ever consider like doing it on your own you know with modern day science and all of that yeah definitely definitely and so essentially what i was going to ask is like do you ever feel as though like you feel ready like something i'm always asking myself is like will i ever feel like advanced enough in my career will i ever feel ready enough financially Mm -hmm. before i want to like take that plunge because in my mind it's like yeah okay it might not be like horse and carriage or like marriage first blah 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 like standard traditional process but like i want to feel like i can like take care of you know a child and that i feel stable and that i don't feel as though i'm gonna like impact my career so i'm just Mm -hmm. like what what is that number what is that age 31 32 then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they start talking about these geriatric uh pregnancies and i'm like oh my god like (laughs) i gotta hurry up right i'm 28 well oh my god i just no i like 27 but i feel like i'm 28 (laughs) already like i'm just like freaking out yeah so you do but you don't so um i when i had both kids like it was very difficult for me to get pregnant and even their deliveries were atrocious and i'm not even going to scare you guys with that but um i both times right both times i felt like i was ready to be um but you know i told you about my background so i was always ready to be a mother but i felt like i was ready to be a mom financially and i was gonna make it work but looking back like i had no money and somehow i still managed to make it work yes i had a spouse but I, I was always like, this marriage is Brown versus the Board of Education, honey. We are separate but equal. <laughs> so we paid um, things independently. So basically, I could have afforded to have both kids on my own. Um, but even looking back at when they were little and they were in daycare and stuff like that, I'm still amazed that I was able to do it. So even when you say to yourself, yes, I'm in a place when I'm ready to do it, you're going to look back and be like, I wasn't in a place ready to, to have kids, but somehow I did it. And that's, you know, that's the lie we've all been telling ourselves to procreate since the beginning of time. Right. Our parents did it. Our grandparents Right. Exactly. <laughs> right exactly but like i was the last born so my i was born when my mom was 32 and my dad was like 44 so my sisters are like you had a good you had the nanny you had the right. this you had the that and i'm like yeah that was great right let's talk about some other stuff going to the laundromat and all this i'm not trying to do that right <laughs> right right yeah i can't i can't imagine yes i'm not i'm the i'm the youngest for my dad and the oldest for my mom but i grew up in my mom's house so i was the one taking care of my brother and whatnot yeah it it works out whenever it's meant to be although i did exactly that's the moral of the story we should just have a kid like our love will make it work like I have he was trying to change. Oh hell no, no. He right, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Run sis. <laughs> he literally said, please take out your IUD. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> I just scared the crap out of me. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Chelsea. Shirley <laughs> Dua, what would you do? Let's do it. Oh yeah. Oh okay. wait, wait, wait. Or should we talk about Kamala Harris's maternal care act? Yes, I, I was gonna say I do wanna learn more about that. Okay, so um, that I supported through basically marketing. So I don't have too many details about the maternal care where it stands, but I know the idea of it is to fight racial bias in maternal health care. Um, and she reached out to me to support it from a social marketing perspective because of the pieces that I had done 
for parents. Um, I've done a piece about um, how postpartum depression um, and anxiety is more prevalent in black mothers. And then I've also done a piece about um, infertility in the black community. So that, that, that's where that came about. Yeah, I think that's a, that's interesting that that conversation is becoming, I feel like, I don't know if it's my age or if it's the times, like everyone is talking about how many more black women die and yes, and, and it's, it's terrifying. It is. It definitely is. And the piece that I did for parents, it was kind of about why both of those subjects, infertility and maternal health care, are so taboo in the black community. And I interviewed a variety of different women who were black moms and just the fact that they didn't they confided in older generations and they told them, don't worry about it. Just go take a bath and you'll be fine. Or they provided in their healthcare provider, and the symptoms were either missed or ignored. Um, so it's it was just basically about that, and and I'm glad that Kamala Harris has elevated it nationally and and given it a platform to talk about. You know, this is definitely something that is hurt. It just isn't hurting our community. It, it really is hurting our environment. It's hurting our society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and it's really important that we have those conversations because people like think that it's fake or that black women make stuff up i don't understand or that also we're my super creatures right mm-hmm. that right. can handle all of the same what, what other than our skin color we're not different <laughs> on the inside exactly. so why right. can we handle everything that you can't why do i have to tell you that you're special and kind and all that kind of why why mm-hmm. am i not mm-hmm. you know that's that's where i always go back to it with it this is also a really random question before we go into her what would you do but i had two friends and they both had cesarean yeah sex c Mm -hmm. C section section. i I don't know my brain just blanked um but they were saying that a lot of hospitals they feel are starting to do that more because they end up making more money have you heard about this yeah um the recovery is longer right yeah your (laughs) your hospital time yeah i mean i've had two of them i've had two of them so yeah both of my kids were c-sections one was an emergency c-section i was in labor for four days and the other one yeah yeah i told y'all i don't want to scare you and um and uh, that was preeclampsia and then uh wes was a scheduled c-section but immediately when he came out my blood pressure shot in the 230s and they had to figure out if there was something neurologically wrong with my brain from having kids so yeah you know Wait, is there anything? Whoa! <laughs> oh, everybody has stories like that, honey. Don't worry. <laughs> You'll have yours. You can do like when you when you know you want to have kids or when you're pregnant, early stages to like to make sure that you have a smooth, smoother, pregnancy? yeah, yoga, or smooth delivery, yeah, oh, yoga. yoga, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and also eating healthy. You know, trying to get a pescatarian or just a less meat more heavy in fiber and vegetables based diet because you're in your organs are going to be so messed up um just your bowels everything it would just be easier if you adopted a healthier oh, diet gosh. oh Damn, i know the things honey. we do things our bodies are able to do i'm down for a right. surrogate Crazy. to be honest i've been thinking about that a lot recently <laughs> to be honest I want to feel pregnant so badly. I I want to be like waddling around and I want to be like, 
I don't know, like something Peeing about that. Five like, seconds. it's so miraculous. Right. Though. Something Fine. about that you feels beautiful to me. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, we'll we'll go on and on on tangents. Also, apparently, <laughs> there was just an earthquake. Everyone's texting. I never feel the earthquakes, but oh, oh my wow. god, you're so just California. I'm so California. My roommate just texted me, hey, did you feel the earthquake? I'm like, no, uh, I don't have time for earthquakes. I have to do a podcast. That state is going to break off. You better move back to New York. It is. Um, So (laughs) we have a segment of the show. It's called What Would You Do? And it's essentially listener letters that um, people either email us or submit to our website at www.blackgirlstexting.com or DMs. Um, And so this what would you do is um, not necessarily someone's like situation, but someone messaged us and asked how we feel about the Amari Allen recantation. And I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but um, after doing some Googles on that, because I wasn't honestly 100% sure. um, So Amari is a sixth grader from Virginia, and she stated that three of her white male classmates pinned her down and cut off her dreadlocks and called them nappy and ugly and made fun of her. Um, And then she has since recanted and stated that it never happened um her family has like apologized but i guess her school is kind of saying like we're trying to even understand why she felt the need to right like make this up so i just wanted to know one what your thoughts are on that but two like what do you would you have done as her parent like if for some Mm. odd reason your child had done something like this um so thoughts Hmm. opinions yeah see and i'm so old school immediately i'm like beat her ass (laughs) as the parent that's the first place i would go but that's my gut reaction that doesn't mean that that's what i would do the the second thing that i would do is sit down and talk to her take a deep breath and and ask yes why did you feel the need to lie on these children and so and i get it like our kids now they're seeing such a racially charged america like even my eight-year-old daughter my my nephew was like well i told him what do you want to eat and he was like well i don't want mcdonald's because they support donald trump being reelected. oh and oh, yeah okay. and by the time these kids i've done a lot of research on these young kids in generation alpha who was anybody born um after 2010 I think a third of them have already attended their first protest. So they're very very racially charged. Like these are like many black Panthers that are walking around. So I completely (laughs) understand. I can put myself in her body and understand that she was maybe, you know, trying to draw attention to the racial divide of the country. I can even stretch it that far. But the question really does go back to, okay, but why did you feel like that was the best way to tackle that problem? I agree with the school. It's why did you feel like that, that that lying and and cutting off the dreadlocks, that was how you wanted to handle this? Because it definitely is driven by her having some type of racial viewpoint. But why did you feel like that was the way that you had to address that racial viewpoint? I mean, ain't it like Jesse Smollett? Same well, we still yes, don't know. We still don't know. He has right. said that, that mess. <laughs> that's totally the- different from a but true. I mean, that's true. Same it is kind of a same principle. I just have a little bit more sympathy for or empathy for the girl. No, for sure. Because yeah. I also wondered does she have something like some kind of view about her hair? Did she I don't know. I haven't read enough right. about the kids. Right. But yeah. She yeah. Cut her yeah. Hair yeah. Off. Of her own volition, and then or, became or else. were people actually teasing her and never did anything, right. and so she like took it to right. <laughs> that's the shit I would do. That's 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 
Oh lord. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like a cry for help. Like it's a cry maybe for the help, kids right. were making fun of her, and so she was like, "Someone's gonna pay for this." Or maybe she didn't mm-hmm. want the dreadlocks. Maybe she was finally sick of them, and her right. parents told her she couldn't cut them. You never know, right? Yes. You never know. Because I know parents that put but locks. I in know their parents kids hair that right that choose to do it. Yeah. Right, I know that too. That happens, right? But I would probably still beat her for lying. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea, I thought she wasn't beating your kids. Right. See how fast she flipped for that ah! for lying on a national stage oh, on a national. That's too much. <laughs> yeah, that was extreme. But I, I honestly would be a little less upset with something like that. I would just be like, you need to explain to me why. And then let's all have a dialogue. Like, let's right. go sit with Therapy. the school. Let's go sit and yeah. figure this out. I mean, if it was purely out of like vanity purposes of like, no, I just felt like cutting my locks, then that's one thing. But I feel as though, yeah, she maybe felt teased or something happened because talking about they pinned her down and said so she was nappy and ugly. Like there's something going on there. Right. And people don't give schools enough credit these days because they these I've seen a lot of schools, even in Baltimore City, where the principals are very involved, the vice principals, they fight very hard to keep guidance counselors on staff. They completely understand that in some cases, school is a safe haven for kids. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, sometimes we are too quick to judge the schools and say that they're not doing anything about the problems either. Yeah. Wow. Well, now I'm kind of scared to have kids, but no. excited nonetheless. <laughs> no, because I'm like, whoo, there's the birth, then there's right. well, there's the, the pregnancy, then the birth, and then next thing you know, you have like an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old yeah. and all these other crazy things are happening. And I started but thinking about myself as a kid. They're great moments, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, my sister has a theory. She's like, I feel like I gave birth to you, and you might give birth to me, and I was like, she was the most chill, like, amazing kid. So I'm like, yeah, I keep hope, that, I hope that happens. <laughs> You're going to have a little tyrant. She's going to try you. I can't wait. Don't oh say God. she. Don't, don't put a she on me. Oh, come oh on. Oh, God. I know. It's I, a she. I just want boys. I know. Me too. Anyways. I wonder why we think that way. That's interesting. Um, um, Glenn, you want to do our black girl doing shit? Oh, yes. Yeah. So in all of our episodes, we shout out an amazing black woman doing something amazing. Um, and that is you, Christine. Thank you so much for joining <gasps> oh us. You are a black girl Thank doing shit. Yes, this was amazing. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you so much. I thought you were going to ask me who mine was. I was going to say my best friend. Oh, but Tiara please do. Yes. Oh, shout her out. Yes, yes. My best friend. She runs the Oprah Rose podcast. What? But Stop. Wait. Wait. Yes. 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 Yeah, we know her. Yes. We did a crossover yes. episode with them. I know. I oh know. my gosh! I've, I'm wow. a listener of hers. Yes. Yeah, so I knew now that. we're putting all the pieces together. Yeah, we grew up together. Baltimore. Since we were nine years Duh. old. Yes. yes. Wow. So we're we on here being so polite, and we could have been getting you could wild this whole time. Exactly. <laughs> She's like, you awesome. <laughs> well, you know what? This is our chance to like um, redo, and so this was like our good mommy episode, and we'll have to come back and do like bad mommy, mommy episode because I want to hear more about these these edibles and See? all these things. Right, and dating <laughs> once you're a mom. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, I'm gonna be in your email setting up part two. Oh my gosh, this I was so it. much fun. I really, really loved this. I yeah, loved it too, guys. So thank you so much. I had a great time. You ladies yes. are fabulous. Oh my oh, gosh, you thank, are you. Too. thank you. Thank you.
Thank and you say so hi much. to the kiddos for us. I will. Yes. Wes is dead asleep next to me. I told oh. you, Oedipus West. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> um, we will make sure to um, shout out all the great things that you have coming up. If there's anything else that you want to plug before we sign off, please do. Big no. up yourself. No, I'm, I, I am all set, I think. Um, I, maybe the only thing is that for the moms who are in New York, I don't know if any of them knew that I threw a Mompreneur in Me event, which was um, back in July. And it's my free event. It goes across the country, but it's for moms and their kids. Um, so for the first hour, they do a Mommy and Me activity together. And then the second hour, the moms learn professional development skills. Since moms really don't have time to ever leave the kids, I wanted to create a free event for them where I actually give gifts to them. We have sponsors and I come to them because it's across the country so um, moms in New York will definitely be back next year we had a fabulous time this year and just um, head to mompreneurme.com to sign up amazing that's awesome. yeah that's so so dope thank you again and thank we you. will connect for our bad moms episode I love <laughs> it thanks guys I'm going to do it Bye. Bye.